to Effective Conversation Podcast. Thank you. I met you at Friday for Future. And then I realized you also work in the eco side. So would you like to tell us what is those organizations a little bit and what are you doing there? Yeah, so uh, I guess I can start with Fridays for Future. Um, so that's, uh, I got involved with the local uh, group here in Nelson uh, nearly two years ago now. Uh, yeah, and since then um, we've done uh, all kinds of things. We organized many strikes, I've lost count now, <laughs> and um, other and other events. And I guess within that, I'm just kind of an organizer. We don't really have kind of specific roles that we take. Um, so we're a team of about seven, ten-ish people, varies a little. Um, yeah, and that's, uh, that's basically what I've been doing there. So when you say and organizing, and... it's organizing the strikes? Yes. So yeah, it focuses on strikes. That's the main focus, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we have we have we have dipped a bit into other um, organizing too. That we organized um, some forums for candidates in the provincial election right. and also in the Nelson by election. Um, yeah, our main focus is on strikes, but we have done some other things. Uh, yeah, and uh, it was from that that I first found out about uh, Stop Eco Side. Uh, that and that's a campaign which has been active for about 10 years it's based in the UK uh, but I uh, co-founded nearly a year ago uh, the Canadian uh, branch of it which is Stop Ecoside Canada um, because it was at that time just kind of beginning to expand internationally and I was just in the right place at the right time basically uh, yeah so since then I've been most of my work has gone into that to ecocide uh, goal is to, yeah yeah and the, the goal of the campaign is to make ecocide an international crime and ecocide is the mass destruction of the um, environment uh, and so in Canada our goal is to push the Canadian government to vote in favor of it when the time comes right and how does that go uh, so it would be proposed at the international level, so um, at the International Criminal Court. Uh, right now, crimes are genocide, uh, crimes against humanity, crimes of aggression and war crimes. And so our proposal is to add ecocide as the fifth crime. Mm -hmm. And um, basically the way that works is all the countries that are members, about 120, um, all get one vote. And if two thirds vote in favour, then it's passed. So it passed where? Uh, then it would be. It hasn't been yet. Ah, okay. <laughs> then if two-thirds of, of the countries will vote, it will, it will pass. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So who is opposing that? Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know, really. It's the international team are involved with those kind of high-level conversations. I know there is, there is interest here in Canada. Um, I've met with uh, several MPs from all different parties and um, mm. definitely found interest. Yeah, uh, that interest in it is a solution. And, and what does it mean when, when it will be a crime? Who, who will it affect? Uh, like the industries, I guess. And so can you say more about that? What's the ramification of, of something like this if it yeah. passes? Yeah, so it would really um, target 
big corporations and specifically the people who are leading them. So it would hold the CEOs and um, government ministers who approve really environmentally destructive projects like that. They would be held accountable um, individually rather than just people who are working for them. And um, so, yeah, and then the exact definition of what ecocide is has not yet been decided. Um, there's currently a panel which is uh, working on drafting a definition. That'll be done uh, about June is the estimated time frame. Uh, yeah, so um, I'd be really interested to see what comes. It's very interesting. It's very interesting um, when, when you speak about it, what comes in mind that almost everything is destroying nature. Like everything we do, and of course the big companies. So where is the line mm -hmm. goes between uh, what is ecocide, like like really a murder and killing the ecosystem, and what is like is it a, a matter of scalability? How will you? What is? How do you think about it? How do you measure that? Yeah, it would be. Um, I mean, these are all questions which the panel is discussing. Um, I I would say that I mean ecocide isn't cutting down a few trees. It's um it, it's definitely it's it's a lot bigger than that. Um, it's the kind of it's the kind of destruction which makes an ecosystem kind of unlivable and really affects nature in a way that there's no coming back from. So it's um things like the mass destruction of the Amazon, for example, um, that kind of thing. Uh, very large scale, definitely. So taking the prime minister of Brazil to, to court, <laughs> basically. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. clears throat> right. How did you get involved with uh, climate action? When How old were you? How did you hear, hear about that? How did you realize this is the truth, whether other people think it's not? Yeah. What is your story? Yeah, I was... Um... I guess I've been aware of climate change, of climate issues for as long as I can remember, really. Um, from school, from parents? Yeah, I guess, I guess from both, really. I've, it was something which everyone around me would kind of talk about occasionally. I mean, it wasn't something which we discussed mm -hmm. necessarily every day, but I've always um, had a sense that I've been aware of it and I knew that it was a problem. Um, yeah, so I'd imagine that came from my parents and from school, teachers, people around me in general. I don't really remember the first time I heard about it. Um, it was it was a couple of years ago when I was uh, 19 that I actually um, started really taking action. Uh, I got involved with Fridays for Future. Um, so yeah, I guess I knew, I knew about it for a long time, knew it was a problem, but it took a while before I really got involved in actually doing something. So I would like to know what's the shift, because we so many people know about it and do nothing about it. And there is a moment with a special moment, maybe, or a hammer moment, or what, what is the moment for you that you say, okay, enough the bullshit or enough being a regular person, going to school, doing what I do, and start to be not just taking action be you're a leader in this right like you're taking positions so what is the shift that you needed to go through 
Yeah, it was it was two things really. It was uh, first was learning about fracking, and um, and when I learned about that, it just seemed so senseless. I mean, um, senseless using yeah, just using using that amount of water to extract these um, these natural gases from the ground, and then and then the chemicals that are used in it, which had the potential to poison our entire water supply and then it 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 just and then it can cause earthquakes everything about it just seemed so stupid i thought why why are we doing that we we need to stop and uh so it was that was that was a part of it and then i think coming alongside that was just the rise of the fridays for future movement in general so um there was when when I kind of had that realization, I uh, learned shortly after that 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 there was a climate strike planned in Nelson, and so it was really easy to yeah, go and then to get involved with the other organizers. And um, yeah, so, so you're saying this is very interesting. When you learned more, you realized uh, things are stupid or n- not being done in the right way or in this, not in the right maybe. Maybe you say it, but in a smart way. And before that, you thought mm. maybe they're smart people doing, taking decisions. They know what they're doing. This is the shift kind of, oh my God, like I, I am as a kid need to take responsibility because the adults doesn't know what they're doing. What, what is like, what, what yeah, was the thought yeah, before and then after? Weird. Yeah, it was kind of, I mean, it was, it was definitely kind of a build up. So it was like, um. Uh, there were there were other things before I found out about that. I still obviously knew that climate change was really a problem and that we should do something about it. But I guess it was maybe it was that moment that it really hit me that I need to do something about it because um, nothing was happening. And I thought, I mean, well, if I don't do something, then who will? It's um, yeah. There was that that sense definitely that it was time to act and not just think that we need action. When you say nothing is being done, what do you mean? Um, basically that governments are not taking the action we need to see. Um, emissions are still rising. And although they talk about climate change being a problem, their actions just don't show they really think that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what I mean. So in, in, in your, uh, from your perspective, what is the biggest challenge or the biggest problem we are facing today? Um, I would say there's a few. I think the, the biggest thing I can think of is, um, is uh, inaction and apathy towards it. There's so many people uh, both just regular people in the public and also in government who just don't um, who don't seem to care and don't seem to really want the change and I think that is that's a that's a big problem so apathy and inaction in governments yes and population and and people mm-hmm. too what causes this this apathy? So the problem itself is not the climate; is the apathy towards the climate. Yes, I think. I mean, the climate is 
kind of the underlying problem, I suppose. But I do think that we have the solutions necessary to deal with it. We know what we need to do in order to get to a better place. Um, we're just not doing it. And that's the problem. I hear you. We have the solution and we don't do that. Mm -hmm. So the apathy about that mm -hmm. and the inaction is, is, the, is where we are stuck as humans. Yeah, what causes the exactly. apathy? Why are we apathetic about it? Yeah, I think it's, it's hard to say. I think, I think a lot of people despair. They don't know what the solutions are. And, um, and so the only way that they can really cope with it is to switch off and try not to think about it. Um, Do you talk yeah, about I it in Friday the, for Future that... with the groups? Do you talk about how we have you yeah. talk about it? S say more. Sorry, I stopped yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think there are really very few people who are kind of actively against taking action. There are there are a few, sure, but there aren't many. I think most people. Um, I think most people want to do something. It's just that a lot of them don't know what to do, and despair because of that. So you think the despair is because people don't know what to do? They're yes. missing information. Mm -hmm. And this is what people are saying to you? Yeah, I've heard it. I've heard it from a few people. They just don't know what the solutions are. And when you and, say, um, when you pre present them, okay, we need to do one, two, three, this is what we need to do. They get inspired? They get involved. Yeah, I've I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen definitely a couple of times. There's been a change, and um, people go from just not even really wanting to talk about it because it makes them too depressed to um, being excited and saying, "Wow, there's so much going on. I didn't know that all this was happening. It's it's amazing." And then and then you know seeing seeing people have hope again that we can shift it. And then they come and become volunteer. Are you talking about uh, youth or adults or both? Uh, both, yeah. And I mean, they don't necessarily then become like a super active climate activist volunteer person, but at least they're um, they're they're yeah more motivated and have more hope. And it kind of I think it has to start with that. I think we can't get very far if. Um, if we're just full of despair. And do you think hope is this is is a good place to be, to be hopeful? I think so. Yeah. I mean, alongside that, we need to kind of recognize what's actually going on. There's not there's no point in just blind hope, but I think there is a lot to be hopeful about. There are changes happening, and it's. Um, it's just about letting people know that. And it's happening fast enough? Do you think we have the chance? <laughs> yes, I think we need to speed up. <laughs> but, but, I think, but I think it is possible. Yeah. How, how does... I, now it's a, it's a personal question. See if it's, you're comfortable with that. But how is the world looks from a perspective of despair? about like your, your, your future, or, or you can say about the youth mm -hmm. future, like having kids, choosing job, choosing what to learn, uh, you know, buying a house, whatever you need to, you know, in your kind of what you think about and how is it looks like when you have hope? Mm 
do you have different like do you find yourself even or other other friends of yours that you're talking about those things together yeah I found I mean I have I have experienced moments of despair myself definitely sometimes it can just feel like um I'm I'm one person alone or even you know I'm one person with two or three friends who also care alone and it um and it can feel kind of overwhelming and hopeless like um everyone's like everyone's kind of against you and not really wanting to listen to you or um or really do anything and I have I have been in that place before but it's just um I mean it's not really true for one thing there are there are loads of people who are in support and who do want to see something happen and who are doing amazing things and that's uh, very important to remember and it's just I've never found that I really get anything done in that stage in order to really be effective and to work on making the change I have to be able to see the future that I want mm, interesting um, it's, yeah yeah I can't really work on it from a place of despair how do you get so. yourself out of there when you fall what do you do to rise up yeah it's it depends it depends I guess there's a few there's a few strategies that I use I, the biggest one I think is reminding myself of all of all the positive change that is happening and of all the people who are creating that say more and, um, and obviously yeah there's no shortage of those people and, there is someone specific specific uh, that inspires you that you think about you think about um there's no one person there's a lot of people I mean every, the whole of the stop eco side team is is an incredibly inspiring group and then all the all the youth in Fridays for the future uh, all the other the activists who have been working on this for you know 30 40 years <laughs> um and then and then everyone else is just doing anything to raise awareness um get the word out uh, come up with solutions it's uh yeah there are so many people i mean way more than i even know <laughs> um yeah and i and, and and it's that that really gets me through things it's um it's the knowledge that i'm not working on this alone that there are other people doing things uh, it's that which keeps me going yeah not to be alone in that it's 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 a uh, it's many times feels like climbing the, <laughs> the the mountain but it's going down the hill <laughs> when there is a mudslide or something yeah <laughs> climbing a mudslide <laughs> while it's why yeah, it's happening exactly. yeah yeah how do you with them how do you bring more people to work with you or to volunteer to friday or um, for future or the eco side how do you get the word out it's how do you been... find the people and what's what is the people that don't want to join you what's their concerns about yeah, it's been, I mean, my experience with Fridays for Future and with Stop Ecoside has been different. Um, with Fridays for Future, it's been more, 
we've never really had to go out and recruit people. We've just had people who reach out and want to join us. Um, so I've never kind of gone through that process there. Um, so you advertise on Facebook or something? How do you... We do, yeah. We, we have a Facebook page. And I mean, I think most people have joined us after attending a strike or some mm. other event. And they reach out to us after that and say, can I get involved with planning and with being a part of the next right. thing? Yeah. Um, so we haven't really done much kind of specific outreach around that. People have just kind of come to us. Um, with Stop Eco side, it's been different. We have tried to get volunteers actively, um, which has had mixed success. Uh, <laughs> we had, I mean, we started off the movement, um, you can sign up as an earth protector as part of it, and then that basically adds your name to a mailing list. And so when we started as, as Stop Eco Side Canada, we already had, you know, we were able to make contact with about 250-ish other people uh, in Canada who had already signed up and were therefore you know, interested in the campaign. So we did uh, send out kind of a mass email saying that, you know, there's this new team in Canada, would you be interested in, you know, volunteering with us and joining us? And we had, um, and we had a few people who were interested. It's been, uh, it's been difficult though for people to actually stay with it, which I think has been a large part of that has been because we're not really sure actually what we need people for. <laughs> we um, we're very focused on kind of the lobbying MPs kind of side of things and building that and building that momentum there. And there's only so many people that you can actually include in that. So. Um, so yeah, it's definitely been a learning process. So say, I'm 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 wondering about a conversation you have with friends and family and people that you meet mm -hmm. that they don't support or don't understand what's the problem. What what is this all madness with climate? Don't you see everything is fine? <laughs> Do you have those kind of yeah, conversations? Yeah, I've had. Um... Yeah, just I mean, I'm, I'm lucky. <laughs> I, I'm lucky in that um, most of my family and friends uh, are really supportive. And I mean, a lot of them are also part of the movement. Um, so, so I'm, so I'm luckier in that than a lot of people are. I know for a lot of people, it can be a lot harder. Um, but even so, I have had some of those conversations before. And it's been, um, I don't know, there are levels, there are, I mean, there's the kind of the classic people who, you know, will shout at you while you're doing a climate strike, will, you know, post angry, aggressive stuff on all your Facebook pages, that kind of thing. But those people, um, there are far fewer of them, they actually, actually they're just very loud, um, but they're far more common uh, response that I've got from people is things like, um, is people, people basically saying things like, oh, why are you doing a strike? A strike won't work. What difference will it make? Why not focus on something else? And then they'll name 
know, loads of things which they think we should be focusing on. Um, so it's actually, so that's actually the most common Interesting. Uh, kind of conversation that I have had. And then what they say, um, what do you need to focus on in their perspective, from their point of view? They say lots of different things. I've heard, um, oh, you should be going and picking up trash. Um, you should be um, like going to school and learning how to solve and be becoming a climate scientist so you can solve the problem. Uh, you should um, you should write letters to your MP, uh, which of course is something that we actually do do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, lo lots of different suggestions. Advices, I would say, yeah. from people that don't yeah. <laughs> that don't engage, right? M most of them are not engaging, or. Do you think some of them are actually doing those things? Like when they say, go pick trash, do they do that? Or do they just offer that you will do that? I think it's something that they're just suggesting to us. I mean, it's hard to know because I don't know them. I often don't know them personally, but I, I don't think it's something that they're involved in. I think it's just a suggestion for us. How do you feel when somebody said that to you? You should go learn at school, be a scientist. That will make a big impact. Yeah, I, I mean that that one I find um, particularly annoying <laughs> uh, because because I I mean my response to that has always been kind of well, we have amazing climate scientists who are telling us what the solutions are and they're not being listened to. So what we're trying to do in Friday, I mean it, with Fridays for Future, the message has always been listen to what the scientists are saying, you know, take action on what the scientists are saying. That's uh, basically our kind of foundation that's where all that we do uh, comes from so um yeah it's i think that fails to understand that perspective because i i think that we do have um pretty much all the solutions we we know what needs to be done it's about doing it and that's what we're trying to pressure governments to do so this person that comes to you and say, you need to be a scientist. And then you say, eh, you know, there's lots of scientists out there. They tell us what to do. Why do you feel there is the response is like, does it, does they get it or they keep saying? Yeah, it, it depends. It depends. There are a lot of people who you can have a conversation you with. You can't have? And um, who you can, you can. You can. Yes. Okay. Uh, that interest in listening. Um, yeah, and and that's really good because. Um, so tell me, what what is a good can... conversation for you? What is a meaningful conversation? Yeah, yeah, I guess it will it will be something like, well, um, you know, oh, why don't you just go and become a climate scientist? And I'll say, well, um, we already, you know, there are lots of climate scientists telling us what to do, or we know what the solutions are, and they're like, oh, oh, well, what are the solutions? And then. Um, and I can name a few solutions. Um, I mean, I'm not an expert on them, but I can name, you know, a few and say, and we should, you know, obviously listen to what the climate scientists are saying. And um, and they'll say, oh yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And then they'll typically uh, start talking about something which they really think we should do. Like I remember uh, I had a conversation with someone who was really, um, really against uh, skiing and was offended by the fact that um, 
one of our signs said, I love snow on it, and um, was being carried by this uh, skier. Uh, and so this so this um, person who came by was very offended by that fact because he was saying, oh, well, um, you're such a hypocrite because the, you know, you, you going and skiing is contributing to climate change and then that'll melt the snow faster that you claim that you love so much. So, um, <laughs> so he got quite annoyed by that. And, um, you know, we just, we just point out that we don't have all the solutions. What we're trying to do is, um, is basically point government to the people who do have the solutions, to the climate scientists. It's, um, yeah, I found that that's often the case. People expect us to come up with all the solutions and the message, our message isn't that. Our message is that we don't have all the solutions. We're not scientists. Um, and does it satisfy yeah. them, those people? That it's like, this is a good conversation when you say that oh, I don't have all the solutions and they're happy? They're kind of... Um... Often, yeah, I mean, so sometimes yes, sometimes no. It, it depends a lot. Um, you, yeah, I, I would say with most people that we've talked to, uh, they will come around a bit after they understand a bit more about what the movement is about. A lot of people just uh, don't even understand kind of what the point of it is. I mean, uh, I, I remember talking to one person who thought we were the Green Party holding a rally one time, <laughs> and. Um, you know, another who thought that we were just, um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember specifics, but I remember, yeah, lots of people just not not understanding what uh, our goal actually is. And then once they learn that, um, they can be a lot more understanding of it, I think. Right. Yeah, so, so in a way, what you're saying, a meaningful conversation is when you both sides can express their thoughts and concerns and be respectful be respected maybe yeah if i'm trying to summarize yeah, that listening listening is so important yeah have you ever changed yeah, your listening... mind when you listen to somebody that opposing climate have you learned something new from um... them i um i'm definitely open to listening to some of the um, things that they bring up about what they consider to be issues. Um, there are, and there are lots of issues that I don't know about. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say that anyone's ever, no one's ever managed to persuade me that climate change isn't a big deal. <laughs> but certainly, certainly people have opened my eyes to, um, to, uh, other aspects to it that I hadn't necessarily thought like of. Like what? And often just, and often, um, yeah, I guess just um, bringing up, bringing up ideas like, um, oh, like this specific uh, activity is like a big part of climate change. I can't, yeah, I can't remember exactly the things that people have said, but. Um, but what did, what opened yeah, your and, eyes and to? What, what did you see that you didn't see before? When you listen to them, what do you understand? Um, I, I understand a lot about where they're coming from, which is useful. It's, um, it's helpful to kind of see 
to to talk to people, I guess, about about why they why they feel the way they do, and um, and yeah, what what they're thinking. It's um, it's fascinating, really. I mean, people have such different and varied ideas about what we should be doing and what the solutions are and what's what's real and what's not. It's um, yeah, it's fascinating, and I've and I've learned a lot about about what people are thinking really which um uh, whether it's i mean some of it sounds completely crazy to me some of it sounds um like very very reasonable um but whatever it is it's fascinating to hear what people think can we do a small exercise with you mm -hmm. so close your eyes and just imagine yourself mm -hmm. like in the standing in those strikes and those people you listen to, you're listening very carefully and it's fascinating. What happening inside of you when they say those crazy things? What is their, your internal conversation? I'm kind of gaining I'm gaining an insight into how this person's mind is working and what um, and what kinds of things really matter to them often. Yeah, and it's, I, I mean, what I've noticed with almost everyone is that their basic wants and needs are the same, really. And how, what what do you feel when when you see that their needs and your needs are the same? Is something changing? I can in feel you? more more of a connection to them. It's um especially you know especially when we do so much stuff on social media now. It's um it's easy to judge people kind of immediately just by the first thing they say, but there's so much more to them than just that one thing. That's beautiful. So you feel more connected and more compassion to, to them when you when you see that they they have the same needs like you. But they come yeah. about it in a different yeah, way, maybe. So. They mm. see reality in a different way. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Very beautiful. So we can see reality in a different way. We can have different solution to the problem. Maybe we can even identify the problem in a different ways. Right. Some say, no, the problem is the economy is, is uh, <laughs> right. We need to we need a stronger economy. And some will say, no, we are, we are killing the ecosystem. But the needs are the same. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then the need there is for, you know, a healthy um, life for themselves, basically food, water, shelter. Um, that's kind of what it comes down to in the end and connection connection is very very important what kind of connection do you mean connection with people with each other feeling um accepted and legitimate right. so when you listen to them they feel already more accepted and legit i think so yeah i hope so <laughs> if you don't attack them back you you do that <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. 
And there's also this thing with the group of uh, connection or uh, belonging. If I belong to a group mm. of uh, uh, climate activists, or if I'm, I belong to a group of loggers, or if I belong to, there is this groups that in my mind I'm part of, the group of the vaccination yeah. or the group of anti-vaccination, right? And that's mm. describe who I am. Yeah, exactly. And it... Um, How would you describe them? Yeah, what that, group they are belong to? Um, lots of different groups. I wouldn't say they're all part of the same group. Um, I mean, yeah, I've heard a lot of people seem to be uh, kind of concerned about their livelihoods and, uh, and their jobs and the people around them. Uh, that's, that's, some, that's sometimes a concern. And then a lot of people, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I think there are a lot of people who identify as uh, people who think climate change is a problem, uh, but they just have different ideas about how to go about stopping it. Uh, yeah. So this, this is interesting. Um, when they're concerned with, uh, with their jobs and their lovely livelihood, um, are they, can they be concerned at the same time from climate or it's kind of contradict being concerned from climate? It seems, I mean, now, now I'm kind of talking about the very loud and aggressive people more, um, but it seems like with a lot of them, they seem unable to think of the two things at once. Um, and that's, and that is where the conflict can be because it, it seems like in their heads it's uh, them and their jobs and their lifestyle against us and our evil change that we want to bring. Yeah. You know, that kind of that kind of mindset. And I mean, of course, it's most people don't think that way. I mean, there are, I don't really know of any climate activists who think that no one should have a job. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. So, so obviously there are, most, most people understand that we can uh, take action on climate change and also have people have good jobs. It's not, they're not exclusive from each other. How can you help them see that it's not contradict? That it can be both. You can be it concerned can be from climate and concern from your work and job, that it's not one or the it can other. Be yeah, yeah, it can be difficult. I mean, because now m most of the people who I get this from are the more um, very aggressive kind of shouting in your face type. Uh, so it can be quite hard to, and usually ineffective to really try and have a conversation about that. I mean, I have, um, I've, I've, I've seen it happen where people, where someone will come up and shout that kind of thing. And then someone will say, oh, but we can have, you know, jobs and climate action. And that just makes them get angrier. Mm, why? It's, um, I think because then, because they're, they're always looking for an argument. I mean, someone who comes up and, uh, shouts in your face kind of wants you to get angry and shout back. They, um, that's sort of what they seem to be looking for, even on a subconscious level. 
Yeah, so I found I found the best way of dealing with that is to remain calm uh, yourself and just to listen to listen to what they're saying and um, and allow them to basically shout it all out. It's not always very nice to be on the receiving end of that, but um, but after a while they will typically either stop or walk away either one so when you do that you end up the conflict but on a superficial level like in the in this on the spot but they're still going with their opinions and they're still going to mm-hmm. write something bad on on the social media after that even though you you listened you let them shout yeah another exercise why not? Sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> because you you say something and and um that you th- you think they want to argue, and I and it's very interesting to to see what they really want. So mm-hmm. let's take a breath and close the eyes again, and maybe imagine one of those situations that happened when they you were yelled at. And now we're doing a magic and you are this person that is yelling and you're yelling on somebody else that this somebody else is doing something terrible, completely terrible for you and you're yelling and you have a lot to yell, like you have lots to say and you express yourself with anger and frustration and loud voice on those kids. 19, 15 years old, standing in the strike, doing terrible things they don't understand in anything, in what they do. So just let yourself be in their place, be in this place. What do you see? What do you understand? There's um, there's an anger there, definitely. But underneath the anger really is fear. Um, Fear fear of the change and fear of uh, what might happen. What else? There's layers. There's, what accessible? Yeah. There's yeah. a sense that there's a sense of injustice as well, I would say. Can you speak their words? Can you be their voice for a minute? Yeah, there's a sense, I guess, um, of of personal attack, I'm being attacked. My lifestyle is uh, is being threatened. Um, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and they're shouting or you are shouting now because you like mm -hmm. to because because of that because of that sense of um of injustice and of fear of what fear of the um the loss of that way of life deeper and fear of and fear of losing of losing those basic needs the um and the the way um the way that i live and that i like living and um and that the people around me are living I, I hear like a survival mode, shouting to survive. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you'll do that, I can't, I cannot yes. survive. Kind of fear of death. Yes. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. What do they need? What will help you? What do you need as this person? What will help you? What can I say? that help you see that you're afraid? Or? Uh, I need a, a reassurance um, that I, that I can uh, continue to have these needs met, continue to have security um, in what I do. And that, um, and that I'm not going to be left behind. How can you, how can I invite you in a way that you won't feel left behind? If I say, let's meet on Friday for beer after the strike, or what can I say that will make you feel included and not left behind? Do you need more conversations with me? Do you need um, to see different solutions? What do you need? I think a a vision of of um, the world that is coming and of my place in it. How will it be? Um, how will that place be assured? Beautiful, Jamie. It uh, <laughs> gives me tears. <laughs> Changes the conversation a bit. It does, definitely. Thanks for doing that. It was courageous to step into enemy's shoes. They're not the enemy, but we often have this black and white perspective, right? It's easy to have, yeah. Especially when you're being yelled at, when you're doing everything you can to help people get open their eyes, be aware of what's going on, and then you're being yelled at. This is... Uh, yeah, it's difficult. It's not easy.
yeah maybe my last question is uh, how's future looks like if we all cooperate if we're still fighting and not cooperating and keep yelling at each other in strikes <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, personally, I'm hopeful for what the future holds. I think we can, um, we can change things. And we are kind of at a place now where, um, where that change is really rising. And I think it's going to be a change which um, can include everyone, and which doesn't mean that um, everyone has to lose their jobs and their security. I think we can bring everyone along in that. And, um, and I think we will. Do you want to say something if it's like a logger listening to you right now? Um, yeah, I, I guess I would just say, um, thank you for listening this long um and yeah know that I, i'm not i'm not against you i don't think that you're the enemy mm -hmm.